This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford, 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. And today we'll have another online interview. From Stanford University all the way to Davis, California. With Dr. Melissa Moreno. She is a California Community College faculty with a passion in teaching, researching, and developing curriculum in the areas of ethnic studies, Chicana studies, Native American studies, education, and leadership for over 15 years. As first-generation college studies, ethnic studies saved her life. Schooling became interesting, and with the support of many inspired professors and leaders, she became a professor and a leader herself. For over a decade, she has led ethnic studies, taught Chicana studies, history of race and ethnicity, Mexican-American history, and Native American studies. She is a former community educator and faculty in Chicana Studies and Education and Liberal Studies. She holds degrees in Ethnic Studies, Sociology, Women's Studies and Education. She is a co-founder of the California Community College Ethnic Studies and Faculty Council. She is also a member of the Indigenous Caucus for the National Association of Chicana and Chicano Studies among other associations. She is a trustee of the County Board of Education, Yolo County, and she is part of the board of the California Latino School Board Association. We're gonna be talking today about ethnic studies, their implementation, their history, and much more. Stay with us. So here we are in Atene Americana, and today we have uh, Dr. Melissa Moreno. She is living close to Davis and Sacramento, and she also teaches at a community college in Woodlands. And she has also been in many uh, different groups uh, consulting for UC and CSU. Welcome. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, and, and your story up to now. <laughs> Buenas tardes, mil gracias. Thank you so much for uh, for inviting me. Um, and I want to start off by um, just expressing gratitude, gratitude for being able to um, be able to teach and learn here in the California homelands. Um, I myself, I live in uh, Wintun homeland and uh, ethnic studies saved my life. I'm the first generation growing up here. Um, in California, crecí bilingüe, crecí con un padre que uh, migró de 
eh, Mesoamérica, del estado de Guanajuato, eh, donde fue trabajador bracero. So I'm a, I'm a daughter of a uh, farm labor who came as a bracero guest worker and uh, also a granddaughter of a bracero guest worker. Um, también soy hija de madre que eh, su familia, nuestra familia ha sido del suroeste por, no sé, 500 años, algo así, más o menos. Wow. Eh, y ella pues fue a la escuela en el tiempo de segregación. Solamente obtenido dos años de, de escuela. So I'm also uh, where, a daughter of... Where in the Southwest? Uh, um, in Southwest Texas. Texas. Yeah. So, yeah, Southwest Texas. So a mother, I mean, a daughter of a mother who grew up in segregated schooling. And uh, so my maternal family is from uh, Southwest Texas, Southwest. So I have come to ethnic studies as a way of learning and piecing my own Uh, history, which also includes uh, colonial history, uh, history uh, that also includes also heritage, right? Cultura, the culture, and um, also social movements. Um, both my parents were community um, organizers, even with their limited education. Um, they really advocated for uh, farm working housing. My mother was a bilingual advocate. I'm so proud to say that. Um, in the west side of the San Joaquin Valley is where she was a fearless bilingual um, advocate. And so I am privileged and honored to do the work in ethnic studies that I do because I'm, you know, able to carry on, carry on like her, her legacy of um, the women, las mujeres in my neighborhood were the ones who were advocating for our uh, schooling. So I attended public school in um, west side of the San Joaquin Valley, grew up in uh, Fresno County, and then I, I went on to University of California, where a lot of my uh, faculty and professors were uh, feminists of color and ethnic studies scholars, as well as civil rights uh, movement members. Um, many of them were part of either the Black Power Movement or the Chicano Movement, or the American Indian Movement, or the Third World um, Liberation Front. And so I was deeply inspired by them. And um, in many ways, that is uh, how ethnic studies saved my life. Nice. Uh, but And your studies are in education? Mm -hmm. So I have a background in sociology, mm -hmm. in women's studies, in education curriculum, and um, education, and in ethnic studies. So, and also, um, Uh, native uh, governmental governance and leadership. So um, doing a lot of the interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary work. So my degrees and my certificates are in those areas. Nice. Interesting. So uh, you were telling me that you have also helped develop a lot of the ethnic students, uh, ethnic studies curriculum. Can you explain for everybody what are ethnic studies and, you know, what is the whole controversy behind it and uh, what is good about it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, a really uh, beautiful and, and big question, right? Um, ethnic studies as a discipline, as a field, um, has existed for 50 years since 1968. It, it immersed in the Bay Area. But I also want to say that before 1968, Marymount Community College already had Black studies. 
So ethnic studies is composed of African-American studies, Chicano-Latino studies, Asian American studies and Native American studies. So those four groups, but really um, so much of the foundation of ethnic studies really um, came out of the uh, civil rights movement as well as the uh, Chicano walkouts in 1968. The people who were part of the Freedom Riders and the Third World Liberation Front, where you had the Black Student Union and um, the Movimiento Estudiantil de Chicanos come together and, you know, form this coalition. So initially, the discipline was going to be called Third World Studies, but the academy placed the label on it. And it's the academy who decided it's going to be called Ethnic Studies. And so the groups that really rose to demand ethnic studies were those four groups that I just mentioned. So that's 50 years ago. And um, in 2010, um, the state of Arizona began to um, dismantle an ethnic studies program that they had implemented in the Tucson School District in high school. And they started to implement it in the 90s, and that's because the students were struggling with basic high school graduation. That's why the Tucson School District began ethnic studies. So ethnic studies um, had been um, developed. There was research to track its effectiveness. Christine Sleeter is one of um, our scholars that has really been able to articulate the effectiveness and the statistics, the research around um, ethnic studies in, in K-12. Um, some of us may be aware that the dismantling of ethnic studies really began with dismantling Mexican-American studies in Tucson, Arizona. So in California, um, there was several folks, several folks, um, um, and that includes like Jose Lara and um, uh, Luis Alejo and others who really were paying attention to what was happening in Arizona with the dismantle of the program, as well as the banning of the books themselves, right? So we became inspired here. We're like, you're gonna take it down in Arizona. We're gonna build it in California, in the high schools, because in California it had existed, but predominantly at colleges and universities, with the exception of a few high schools, right? So I believe Berkeley High had a um, high school ethnic studies course, maybe another or two Bay Area schools had ethnic studies at the high school, but not statewide, right? Not statewide. So, so that's gonna um, be requiring a couple of years, isn't it? Yes, so now um, it is required um, by 2030. And that requirement really came out of you know many mobilizations, many uh, legislative calls. Luis Alejo was the first one to advocate for ethnic studies. Jerry Brown said no, didn't pass it, and then uh, he brought it up again to our current uh, governor, and um, you know our current governor said, well, you know funding, plus we don't have a curriculum for it. So Luis Alejo then proposed uh, a curriculum, right? The 20, AB 2016 to create a, um, a curriculum, which was a curriculum to cover the four groups. Mm -hmm. That group of people, which was like about a group of 20, were tasked in two days 
taking an oath, not being able to speak to each other about the making of the curriculum from nine to five only to create this curriculum. At the end of that curriculum making, the group said, you know, this curriculum needs a lot of work. This is a draft. A lot more work needs to be done. And we did have the state superintendent say, you know, there's no funds. You've done your job. You are discharged. During that whole time, there was public comment. People could actually uh, contribute to the discussion. There was no uh, negative public comments, suggestions, or recommendations. Um, when the draft was released, um, before it was released, it was the task of the California Department of Education to actually review it before it went out. Um, many of us know, right, when it came out, there was some um, some parts of it that really were questionable for folks. And um, the California Department of Education did not invite any of the, you know, original folks who had drafted it. The California Department of Ed seems like they brought in uh, multiculturalists and other folks to come and revise it and present to you what we currently have, which does include um, some aspects of that original draft, but definitely it's another draft, right? It's it's another draft and it's a resource. It's a place to start. Um, myself, I was focused on the Native American and the Chicano studies um, section of the model curriculum. I have a question. Why the restrictions from the state to be uh, only uh, four people separated, each of them doing different things and without communicating with each other and only for two days? Why so many restrictions uh, to building that curriculum? That's an interesting question because um, it was part of a process and procedure, an assembly bill, a law that passed. And so I believe that they wanted the, um, the educators involved in making it to not be persuaded by others or lobbied by others and to, you know, contribute. It did make it challenging because it really um, was uh, very, um, yeah, tightly controlled where you and I, we, we teach, we know how curriculum is in the making. Uh, a lot of discussion and dialogue takes place amongst, you know, ourselves and other colleagues and resources that we look up, right? Um, so definitely limiting the process of the making to two days, nine to five, with an oath, with limited discussion, I would say definitely impacted the quality of, you know, what the group, you know, could or could not do in terms of, you know, revising, um, you know, sections of of the, the model curriculum. So, and uh, so right now it's approved and it's going to go forward for the high schools. It, it, there is already some implementation at a college and the, all the way to, to bachelor degrees. Mm -hmm. Yes. So let me just clarify. In 1968, ethnic studies was created at colleges and universities. It was not required. Um, in Tucson School District, it was required and they had been utilizing it. Um, in California, 
the assembly bill for a high school ethnic studies was called. And at the same time, Assemblywoman Shirley Weber created the assembly bill AB um, 1460 to call for a CSU ethnic studies required course. Mm-hmm. She did that after there had been an ethnic studies task force that researched and studied the effectiveness or lack of and um, and found that it actually was really key and crucial to the retention of students at the CSU. So with that information, Shirley Weber, um, with many others, and I was very fortunate to stand, you know, with the group that actually went to the, um, you know, to, to the legislation and um, really support uh, 1460. And so 1460 specifically indicated four groups, mm-hmm. the groups that I mentioned. Now, be aware that at the CSU, um, there was a discussion, a disagreement, um, controversy, because courses that were offered through social justice, through women's studies, through other uh, related diversity studies, they also wanted to, and or the chancellor of the CSU, wanted those departments or fields to be able to teach the required ethnic studies course. Now, the CSU uh, Ethnic Studies faculty created the CSU Ethnic Studies Council. That council demanded that only the four groups traditionally uh, defined as ethnic studies be the only ones to actually teach the required ethnic studies course. So that was a huge battle. And shortly after, the California Community College um, was thinking of proposing a also a required course, but the governor's board of community college, they themselves actually called for the requirement. So no legislation was needed at the California Community College to um, demand an ethnic studies requirement. Mm-hmm. Now at the California Community College, similar to the CSU, they've had to been, you know, uh, there, there have been difficult conversations and discussions, again, to make sure that faculty from the four core groups, from those programs, those departments, be the ones to teach the required ethnic studies course. So that's that's been a process. And now um, we have the, the high school ethnic studies requirement, which was drafted and legislated by uh, Jose Medina. And with that one, um, there's been a way in which this requirement is expected by 2030. And so right now in 2023, we are starting to, throughout the state of California, various districts starting to implement. So for example, uh, in the, in the um, Sacramento Valley, we have different high schools already starting to teach uh, their ninth graders the first ethnic studies uh, required course. It's one semester only, one semester. Mm-hmm. At the CSU, it's one semester. At the California Community College, it's one semester. Mm-hmm. Um, at the high school? Our high school district is doing it one semester right now. Yes, and the conversations have been, how do you define ethnic studies? Uh, what does the course look like, smell like, dance like, walk like, you know, like, what is it exactly? What we're saying is 
it's not a history course. It's just not something that you just teach dates and information. And these studies has to do with the pedagogy to address five elements. And that is the self-identity, stories of heritage, systems of oppression, the social movements that we have to create to respond to those systems of oppression. And those systems of oppression are, you know, racism, classism, sexism, homophobia, right? The various kinds of of oppressions that exist in our in our society, right? The kinds of oppressions that, you know, a sociology, right, would would um, you know, indicate exist in our in our social institutions, right? And then also social movements. And then lastly, solidarity. And this is I think so key because sometimes people think, oh, ethnic studies, it's just about race and teaching about racism. And we're like, no, it is so much more than that. Especially if you are an effective trained ethnic studies, you are going to lead your students, all your students of all backgrounds, not just of the four core groups, but of all backgrounds, have them reflect on their self-identity, their stories of heritage, the system, the social movement, and solidarity, solidarity. Those pieces together is what we need. When you take a history class, there's no guarantee you're going to like touch upon all those engage your students and have them like engage in some kind of social action research or participatory research or service learning or some way of representing that um, dynamic that they experience. It's about bringing your own experience and inviting and, you know, providing an invitation to your students to engage in, in all of those, you know, in all of those ways. And so being strategic, about which readings you use. And the readings are usually folks that represent the four core groups, that the voices of those communities are being um, you know, heard by our students that for a long time, we've had um, you know, history, social studies, mandated curriculum, right? And that curriculum has not always included the four core groups, because if it did, guess what? We wouldn't need ethnic studies, right? In high schools. But we have been put in that position to really legislate and require ethnic studies because those four groups haven't. Um, so, so be aware. Now, at the same time, there's two other things happening. One is I want to say that there is also the Native American curriculum Assembly Bill, the California Native American Assembly Bill that James Ramos um, passed, that Assembly Bill indicates it's not required, but encourages schools to integrate California Native curriculum right now. Like this second, there are various counties and districts that are creating the California Native American curriculum, various tribes that are participating in um, the creation and the making of that curriculum. So we have it available for our students. Now, alongside that is also for some parents, some community members, including myself, is we want the existing Jewish experience and history mandated curriculum to also be strengthened in that section of the curriculum. So we want ethnic studies, the four core groups, 
and we want the existing Jewish history and experience to be also, um, you know, accurate, to be strengthened so that we have, right, the various histories. So that's a little bit of Houston, mm -hmm. CSU, high school, and now UC. Right now, there is a discussion, and the discussion is the UC Area H. The CSU is called Area F, or um, the UC, it's the discussion of the ethnic studies requirement called Area H. So where we're at with that, and I say we because I'm an alum from, from um, the UC system, so I am watching it carefully, and others are too. We have also um, a UC Ethnic Studies Council. So now we have um, the CSU Ethnic Studies Council of faculty. We have the California Community College Ethnic Studies um, faculty, which I co-founded, and we have amazing um, co-chairs. And right now, we also have a UC um, Ethnic Studies Faculty Council. Those faculty drafted the first um, draft of the proposal to require ethnic studies. Where it's at in their process, are you ready to hear this? Right now, it's in the hands of non-ethnic studies faculty that will be reviewing it huh. and then go to their Senate and then go to their Board of Regents. Okay. We're kind of concerned mm -hmm. because for CSU and community college, those faculty have been like, look, autonomy, like we need to be at the forefront of deciding, you know, which classes count or don't count or what is. And this is how you define ethnic studies. Interestingly, for our top tier, UC, UC cannot be legislated. So you know how there's like a CSU ethnic studies requirement that went through the legislation for community college. We didn't take it through legislation. Our board of governors did it. So we wouldn't have to be legislated. But with UC, UC can't be legislated. It has to be kind of created for and by the faculty. Now, you know, you know, you're at Stanford, you're at a, you know, top tier universities. When you go top tier universities, what happens? You have less faculty of color. You have less ethnic studies faculty there is more power and there's less of us, right? And so uh, right now we are really, you know, um, hoping um, and uh, hoping <laughs> that the process will go as smooth as possible and that there could be this autonomy in a scholarly world. Shouldn't ethnic studies scholars be determining the ethnic studies requirement and policy or be at the forefront of it? Should it really be, um, you know, determined by uh, non? I don't, those are questions being asked. We're waiting to find out what kind of influence will non-ethnic studies faculty, will the Senate and the Board of Regents, who some have zero or no idea about ethnic studies um, and their influence. Thank you for listening to Atenea Americana, your house of culture in the radio and online. In this bilingual show, I bring you every week one hour in English and one hour in Spanish, opening a window to the cultural Hispanic world. 
you can hear in the intro and at the final of the show, as well as right now, music from the legend of Latin jazz, Oscar Hernandez. This and all my shows are in stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org, where I wait for your comments. I invite you to be part of this. And remember that today we are talking with Dr. Melissa Morenos about ethnic studies. Stay with us. Right now, uh, the curriculum is going to be one semester for high school. I know that my uh, high school district, they are going to mix it with health. They, they are incorporating one semester of uh, health for the second semester and the first semester with ethnic studies or, or switching like that. Mm -hmm. But those requirements for the kids, I suppose that class is going to be different when they get to, to community college or it's going to be a similar curriculum uh, when they get to, like when they graduate from high school or they're just going to move forward to the second level when they go to UCs or CSUs or community college. How is that going to interact with each other? And I also know uh, that some middle schools uh, already have one elective for uh, ethnic studies, so I suppose that will be more basic, through the systems of anti-racism and equity, we're trying also to implement it inside the the curriculum of elementary school, you know, as Black history is everybody's history, Native American history is our history. So putting it all together as part of the regular curriculum. So mm -hmm. how all of those interact together right. way until you get to college? That is a really good question. Right now, the way it's looking like Um, for the college ethnic studies, you can fulfill that requirement at the community college or at the CSU to fulfill your area F okay. college class. Now, right now, it seems like the, CS, the UC ethnic studies faculty have also been, um, you know, in alignment with the um, the core competencies that the community college and the CSU, right? Like all of us, right? Now, in terms of the high school, the high school is one semester. The high school, um, it's meant to focus on the four groups. And at the same time, our state superintendent and governor too have both said that, um, you know, depending on what region you are and the demographics of your district, you could also perhaps include, right, other populations that may or may not be reflected in the four core groups. Now, it's one semester. I have to tell you right now, to include the four core groups in one semester is already proving challenging because those four groups, there is so much diversity, even with the four core groups. I mean, just take Chicano Latino. Oh my gosh regional differences, language, citizenship are different, like, oh my gosh, histories of heritage. I mean, and, and we have also, you know, indigenous and non-indigenous, right, populations within just that population, right? And so many Even if you look at, if you look at Native American, it's also very diverse, California Native, non-California Native, from this hemisphere, from North America, from Cal right? And so I, I feel like um, when the governor and the state superintendent say like, oh, and you can add like other groups. I'm like, okay, well, like, of course we want to add everyone, but 
wasn't multiculturalism already in effect? Wasn't that like everybody? And when it was everybody, the four core groups still weren't highlighted. So um, I think it's proving it's it's proving to already be somewhat of a challenge figuring out right district to district, teacher to teacher, making the decisions of what units um, to include. But I suppose like when you start with the first unit, if you're taking the approach of um, self-identity, um, stories of heritage, systems of oppression, social movements, and solidarity, people across all groups, you know, you can address those and then perhaps highlight the four core groups, right? So it's an approach. It's an approach. It's not just, oh, let me just include DEI or something about, you know, anti-bias training or something about racism or race. No, like there's a framework, there's a method, there's pedagogy uh, involved. Um, I suppose that the high school requirement should be preparing the students, giving them the fundamentals so that they succeed when they take their CSU community college required course or the UC required course. Now at the UC, like I said, we don't know. We hope we would expect that the UC doesn't just take a license and they're like, oh, we're just going to change this discipline. Would they do that to any other discipline? Would they do that to any other discipline to just like overnight be like, oh, we're going to change it and we're going to add something to it. No, like there's a whole history and legacy and scholarship and literature. Yeah. So, so you think it's more aligned with sociology than to history because it's understanding the core, not just the story. No, I would say it's not sociology or history. It is interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary, which means we need the humanities, we need the arts, we need the sociology, we need the politics, we need the history. And we need to, um, as I and others will advocate, we need to start with the homeland, with the California native homeland, where we are, the California homelands, and then, you know, uh, into the histories of the four core groups and their um, arrivals in, you know, this, this region, California region. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I would say. So not, not sociology, not history as those traditions have been, you know, taught. Obviously, again, if history or social studies was already including the four core groups, um, in a way that allowed us to address those four, I mean, five, you know, that I mentioned that framework, we wouldn't be calling for it. So um, I think it's a good idea to start um, with, you know, junior high and, and even elementary school. People say, oh, we can't teach genocide, right? Genocide, you, you don't even mention or utter to like fourth grade or something, right? But I would say, you know what? In kindergarten, we can start by talking about mistreatment. Yeah. Genocide is a form of mistreatment. And specifically starting with um, what are the stories of heritage, the self-identity, mm -hmm. the systems of oppression that cause, right, that genocide. And then what are the social movements? California Native peoples have a history of also 
have organized social movements and responses to their conditions too. And then also um, solidarity, yeah, with um, with members of, of other groups, right? So yeah, and already the fourth grade curriculum has um, the history of Native American in social studies already kids study that. And then I think every year during elementary is one year national history, then the next year state history, then the next year they come back to national. Yes. Pay so, national, pay national. so for example, I think um, already in fourth grade, um, people are starting to get clear with the idea that fourth grade is not just about missions and missions from the master narrative perspective. Yeah. We're starting to get get that right yeah. um i would hope that for example when our children when my daughter is learning the 50 states i would hope that they're also learning about the different um tribal homelands as well at yeah. the same time you know what i mean like yeah. at the same time that it's not disconnected um that she learned the truth like yes there were missions the missions were a social economic like institution it wasn't just some kind of cultural romantic like idea. There was no mistreatment. Drama. There was violence. You know, like just truth telling to that. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much a way to colonize people. Yeah, and the winner tells the story. <laughs> right. Yes, I would say that the fall challenging and, and troubling time for some of our students because um, we're still undoing the narratives around you know, pilgrims and Thanksgiving and uh, legitimizing, you know, um, gold rush, um, you know, uh, practices instead mm -hmm. of recognizing, right, California is is a place where gold, greed, and genocide took place. All those three, all together, all at once, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, and, uh, disappropriation of lands during different different times in history uh, from the native american to the spanish from the spanish to the american the federal government to the mm -hmm. i mean and and i'll give you an example right now mm -hmm. if we look at the history of the california grizzly bear oh yes and the conditions that the grizzly bear underwent <laughs> during the you know gold greed and genocide uh era oh my gosh there's so much. I mean, even if we look at the grizzly bear during the Spanish era, the grizzly bear was captured and you would have multiple bulls, los toros, yeah. contra un grizzly bear for like entertainment. Yeah. Right. Already. Like, I mean, who, you know, who of our children, right, are connected to teddy bears and bears, right? But if you look at the history of that bear that's on our flag, yep. that bear was like practically extinct right yeah, um, we have other bears but not that one anymore right and so there's there's a lot of uh exciting i think curriculum that um we're being encouraged to really think about in this time in history yeah. right it's an opportunity to reevaluate mm -hmm. our um our our sense of uh of history, right? And the yeah, and master narrative, the, counter narrative. Mm -hmm. And come back to, you know, the main idea of history is also to learn from it. It's not denied so we can move forward and see mm -hmm. what happened that wasn't so great so now we can do it better. That's, we need to acknowledge everything. Otherwise, we're going to keep doing it forever. 
And again, yeah, and, and as you say, it involves even ecology and, and the other creatures that we live with. What do you see now in the future then? It is to wait for the UC approval to see what they are proposing for uh, the UC system. Uh, what about the national discussion in other uh, systems of uh, college and high school around the country? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what's interesting is that the state of Texas, instead of proposing ethnic studies, like altogether ethnic studies of four core groups, in Texas... Um, they started to propose legislation for each of the four core groups. So which I think, what's that? So there was a legislation for like African-American, right? Studies curriculum or um, Mexican-American Latino for uh, Native American and indigenous for uh, Asian-American. So they did like one by one, right? In California, we were like, oh, ethnic group, ethnic studies altogether. People are confused. They think ethnic studies means all ethnic people because all people have a culture, right? So it's everyone instead of like really being aware that ethnic studies, like the form of study in history is really these four core groups that have played a major role in the construction and, and, and um, uh, contributions to the United States, the foundations. And then you have, right, other, other groups who are currently contributing. And I think we're able to do that. If you start with the foundations, then you're able to build instead of... So that would be like the know. second level would be expanding to mm -hmm. how the other groups yeah. are, yeah. are culture and our communities. Yeah, so I think um, I am not um, sure of this. Um, so I'm going to definitely say that um, I have a question about um, the UC, and that is um, the UC regions. Um, it's been brought to my attention, but again, I need to research because I do not know. And in ethnic studies, um, that term, that identity category, people of color, has been really important, especially when you look at the civil rights history. The civil rights history is really around demanding civil rights for people of color with, first and foremost, people of African heritage, African-Americans being at the lead, right, of that movement. And we have been constructed as people of color through history, right? We've been socialized. Um, now, It, it's kind of concerning and I'm wondering, right? Because like when it goes up to the UC regions, uh, if that is indeed, right, um, a, uh, a reality, right? Can our UC regions understand the importance of the four core groups and focusing on the four core groups, providing a foundation for understanding the four core groups? And then you, you know, add other groups and realities, right? So that's that's um I think something that that we're waiting to see. Will you see try to reinvent ethnic studies or will it actually honor and acknowledge like that there is like authentic, you know, ethnic studies with integrity that that we've already been creating for the last 50 years, you know, the educators for and by and with the people rather than just, you know, try to redefine ethnic studies at the, you know, at the UC level. So yeah, we'll think, see what, what Stanford and, and other, right, universities also, what the discussions there will be. 
And, and this is only to, we're talking about applying a core that is a, a requirement for everybody to have like a general understanding of these basic peoples and the, the value in our community because every university have their own ethnic studies with, for people who are specializing in uh, in a different language or cultures, but not for everybody. It's not a requirement for curriculum for graduation, is it? Right, and uh, and I I have to put it out there too. Like at the community college when we first started, um, some people felt like um, language studies, communication, um, sociology, anthropology, they should have the right to teach ethnic studies too because they teach about culture. The California Community College Ethnic Studies Faculty Council got together and they were like, no. We need to go to our academic senate to make it very clear. It's these four core groups, mm -hmm. the requirement of these four core groups, right? We've had a multicultural requirement for, um, you know, some some from the 90s, some since the 80s, right? Multicultural requirement, which fits really big, general and broad, right? But when we talk about an ethnic studies requirement, like those four core groups, right? Um, so. That's, um, it's been interesting because look, for the last 50 years, there's faculty in other disciplines that have been like, oh no, I'm not an ethnic studies faculty. I don't teach ethnic studies. That's not me. All of a sudden there's a requirement. Oh, I, I teach ethnic studies too. Like uh, <laughs> everybody now teaches ethnic studies, right? It's like, really? Like for 50 years, people wanted to distance themselves, disassociate themselves. And now, you know, um, I think it's important to um, support our K-12 teachers with the training around ethnic studies. So everything from offering the professional development to also supporting them to be able to either take an online course or a weekend course or a summer course in ethnic studies, you know, because now we have K-12 teachers saying, I'm an ethnic studies teacher. And I'm like, no. You are a teacher who was assigned to teach ethnic studies and you need to prepare. You can't, it's not just like a overnight thing. You know, I have been um, teaching ethnic studies for 15 years now. And I teach um, Chicano studies, Native American studies and comparative ethnic studies. So, you know, all those degrees that I mentioned, uh, they kind of have to do with, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be like, I should not be teaching those if, you know, not like prepared to teach them, right? So um, it's not easy, but nothing is easy, right? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't teach science and you wouldn't want me to teach science if I wasn't trained for it, yeah. right? At all. Yeah. Even art, you would not want me teaching art, right? If I wasn't prepared. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Are you ready? Yeah. In, in high school, career and technical education, right? Yeah. I think that that is an opportunity for us to teach the students who are interested in going into the teaching career of ethnic studies, yeah. right? So, you know, the class that you just mentioned, which is um, your child's going to take ethnic studies one semester and then the next one health, right? Yeah. There could be a CTE course, right? Possibly that they can take if they wanted to be a future ethnic studies teacher, right? To like just help them with, um, you know, the the soft skills and the knowledge and the 
training and the background, right? Around like that. An, or so. like an AP class that is um, a college credit for a class. Right. High school. Which, yes, and there is, right? There's yeah. several um, courses, right? And you see courses that, um, that have been created. I am really excited about the ethnic studies um, teachers in, um, in Coachella Valley. I know nobody talks about like the ethnic studies teachers from Coachella Valley, but mm-hmm. those teachers are amazing. Those high school that. teachers are special? teaching ethnic studies in English and history, social studies. Mm-hmm. And also they're creating an environmental science course. And in math, they have a course that they're creating called um, Statistics for uh, Racial Social Justice. <laughs> I mean, that's like really yeah. like integrating ethnic studies throughout your curriculum, not just one semester, this one little class, right? Mm-hmm. They're, um, and their teachers themselves, the ethnic studies teachers, they also train teachers right so teachers have to go through a training to but it's kind of training for and by like their peers like it's a peer-to-peer um like training in addition right to to other trainings but i think that's really cool because then that creates like the culture of ethnic studies teaching and learning together right yeah well thank you for being part of our show today and for staying with us for this interview and we hope to to hear more of this in the future and I hope that we can expand on this. Okay, muchas gracias. Thank you. And this was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford 90.1 FM Radio Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. Atenea Americana. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.